Hi, I'm Sophie Milliken and welcome to this episode of the Ambition Accelerator. In today's episode, I'm talking with Alice Hall, who is a serial entrepreneur having founded Pink Boutique. Since she exited Pink Boutique, she has set up the Rowan Group, which comprises of three businesses at the moment and growing, no doubt. So enjoy this episode. Welcome, Alice. Alice Hall, founder of Pink Boutique and all-round entrepreneur, working on some really cool, exciting new things. I'm sure some of that will come up in our conversation today, but welcome and thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. No, it's going to be exciting. So we'll jump right in with, with the questions, if that's all right, and see where they take us. So I want you to just think back, first of all, Alice, and tell us where, whether you always knew what you wanted to be when you grew up. So absolutely not. Um, when I was at school, I didn't have a clue about what I wanted to do. Um, I liked English, so I thought I could be a teacher or a journalist and I ended up going for the journalism degree. And um, when I started in my journalism degree, I realized that a lot of journalists aren't the most well-liked people. Um, whereas before, I just thought that you wrote beauty magazines and things, I didn't actually realize the whole scope. Um, and I got the phone put down me a lot. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was thinking kind of, is this really what I'm interested in doing? Um, and the recession actually hit as well in the third year of my degree. So um, there were no opportunities. Even the most qualified journalists were um, getting made redundant and things. And I would have had to go to London really to get anything um, as a junior in an office. So I ended up um, going into a high school as a cover teacher, um, basically like a supply teacher, but you're based in the school, you cover all topics. Um, and I absolutely loved that job, um, but I was really struggling for cash. So I bought my first house with the encouragement of my mum, who kindly lent me some money for a deposit, but it was perhaps a silly move because I broke up with my boy boyfriend shortly after and I couldn't actually afford really to live um, on my own. So um, I ended up getting loads of jobs. So I'd work in the high school teaching on the daytime full time. Then I would go and work in a bar on the night time, um, which was great actually, because I got the social element, mm -hmm. but I wasn't spending money. I did and, that when I was at uni, worked in a nightclub, great. Oh, it's brilliant, isn't it? I'd go and do it now. Best friend as well. Everyone wants to be friends with the girl that works at the bar. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's nice to you. Um, and then on the weekends, I would do agency work. So it was like um, selling fragrance. You know that person who stands at the front of the store and tries to give you a card with the, with the perfume on and most people like jump back in horror um, that was me so um, so i think at that point i actually learned that there was there were lots of hours in the day and actually i could capitalize on that and that's when i really got my work ethic and i realized that i could push myself um and then um, I had this little idea, which was maybe that I could sell some fashion online. At the time, there was not much choice online at all. Um, so this was 2012. 
um, 2011-2012 and online there was ASOS and there was Misguided which was like a cool brand that was just coming out. ASOS was very kind of modelly like catwalk like quite um, you know no tan or anything um, and I was from Newcastle. I'd been working in bars and I knew the Newcastle girl and I was very much that girl who loved her, her extensions, lashes, tan, absolutely loved the whole glamour of it all. And I thought there's really a gap in the market here. Um, at the time, I just thought I'll sell on eBay and make a bit of money on the side to help me live. So I bought a pack of dresses, got in touch with a girl who was really wow. She was like the hottest girl in town at that time and um, asked her if she would model for me. I went round, took the dress around to her living room. We took some pictures um, and I put it on eBay and it sold. And then I said to my mum, okay, what do I do? Do I take the profit then? And she said, well, maybe we should have a, strat a strategy, which is reinvest. Mm -hmm. And that was a real key point. I remember that, that conversation so well, because that's what we did. So um, I bought two packs and then I bought four packs. And every time I made profit, I just put it back in. Um, and I... Um, I grew the stock and my mum said, you know what, do you want me to set this up as a business because it's really going somewhere? She'll go into it together. Um, I'll deal with the office stuff. You concentrate, Alice, on the, the creative, the buying and the marketing, um, which is my kind of core strength. Um, and that was great. We, we established it because at that point I wouldn't have had a clue about setting up a business, you no. know, 23. Um, so yeah it all went from there and then it just spiraled and we just ran with it um and then it was crazy people would say so how did you get your business idea and stuff and i was just trying to sell on ebay to get a bit of extra cash but it became a brand we had no business plan at the start actually we never had a business plan really? i think we tried we tried a couple of times to sit down and write but because the business was growing so quickly we always then got pulled off on other stuff so and i guess because it's such a fast growing kind of you know fashion so fast it probably would have dated quite quickly i would imagine totally and a massive part of our business was social media and with social if you're really focused on it you have to be willing to pivot on any day as soon as they roll out a new algorithm or a new feature you've got to jump on it straight away so writing a three-year plan just wasn't going to work for us and then there's different competitors in the market there's so much trend so yeah, people approach me and say, I want to start a business. I'm having trouble writing my business plan. And sometimes I say to them, why don't you just get it live? You know, like I can I hear your concept. Don't get stuck on that bit. Um, I do think it's good to have a business plan. Don't get me wrong. Planning is good. But sometimes you just got to run with it. Definitely. I think that's good advice. So, um so yeah, so that's the story of how it all started then. Isn't that crazy? So you definitely didn't know that that's what you, you always wanted to do. So when you um, started getting some traction with Pink Boutique and you could start seeing things really taking off, did you at that point start set or had you already started setting yourself goals or ambitions for the brand and where you wanted to take things? It was always kind of be the number one for glam fashion. Um, we tried to pin it down to different numbers or specifics, but 
by having that unified mission statement it was it could take us in different directions and it didn't matter and, but by being number one we knew what we were working towards so that involved for instance having the best customer service that was really important to me um, providing newness so we released between 12 and 20 new styles a day so there was always something for people to come and look at every day um, and the social media being kind of like your best mate so funny sharing funny things that you would send to your friends and we got a lot of engagement that way so it was a very friendly brand it wasn't intimidating and people came back to us every week for their night out outfits. Mm -hmm. Well, that's incredible. And was there a point, you know, a couple of years down the line maybe, or, or earlier or even more recently where you thought, yeah, I've, I've achieved that goal now. This is success for me. Was, did you hit a point where you felt like that? Um, I definitely hit a point where I thought how sustainable is the pace because we were grown like 500% year on year. We were in the fast track top 100 companies in the UK, three years uh, running. Um, and that level of growth is quite hard to sustain when you've grown it from the ground up. So you're still learning all of the time and everything's new to you. Um, so I think that you'd had um, on your little um, itinerary to talk about work-life balance and I think that that was a, probably a point where we said our whole life is this business but are we going to have any sort of personal life um so we decided three four years ago to um try for a baby and we didn't feel like it was the right time but we thought it would never be the right time so if we didn't just do it we thought we're actually never going to do it because we're so obsessed with business. So, um, so yeah, we had our little girl and that was the first time that I had no choice. I had to step out. And because if you've got a baby crying for you, it, it's crying louder than the business, but I do refer to our, that business as my first baby. Because yeah. with online, it was 24 hours you're constantly checking on it you don't shut the shop and lock up and you can't do any more with marketing and stuff there's always more you can do and in that way it probably gets quite addictive mm -hmm. um so yeah it's it, that being a parent becoming a mother has definitely taught me that i have to switch off and i have to recalibrate my brain and I'm sure that you're you know this when you're in the office and it's like ping 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 you then need to recalibrate to come home and have normal conversations mm. and make the dinner and just do some normal things mm. and I think that's so important but that's really when I had a shift change I think so in terms of work-life balance do, do you think it's ever possible um, I think you've got to be really strict with yourself. I wouldn't say that I've got good work-life balance, probably because I have a toddler. So like I've got a two-year-old, I don't have an option. Whereas I do worry going forward that when once she can play independently and stuff, I do worry that I'll slip more back into that addictive work mode. So 
I need to, I'm very clear with myself that I need to be very firm and I need to say, right, five o'clock you stop working because to grow that business, we worked, you know, early mornings till 11 o'clock at night. We rarely ate in the house. We didn't go away. If I went on holiday, I mean, I'd sit maybe, you know, for an hour and then I'd be like, right, what we're doing. And I'm constantly, I think that a lot of people in business are quite addicted to business. Uh, I think that's partly why it's effective because you've got to be driving every day. You've got to get up and be on it. Um, but I, I think that you have to be very, very strict with yourself. So that's part of my plan. Have you got any tips then for what works for you now to try and get some kind of balance? Because it sounds like you're similar to me in that you're very driven, you're very into work and you get excited about it. So then I think sometimes that doesn't really feel like work because you love it so much, which yeah. I think is a good place to be. But you, you mentioned there that you get to five o'clock and you do, you know, try and switch off. Have you got any other tips around things that have helped you to, to differentiate between work and life and, and have some kind of life? Um, I, so um, definitely kind of moving. So because we're working from home at the minute, moving from the office and actually closing down the laptop and moving into the kitchen or whatever. Um, but I'm really bad with my phone. And what I find is if I have access to that, whether it's gathering inspiration, um, you know, going on the business social media accounts, um, looking at emails, I actually have to have physically not have my phone, but I can't be trusted <laughs> to just have it on in another room because I'll go and check it. So one of the things that I'm actually ordering, which I'd seen through a contract on LinkedIn, is something called a card phone. And it's basically, it's like an emergency phone. It's a tiny little phone and it's got a keypad. You can save contacts in it. I think you can call and you can text message, but nothing else. And I know it sounds really dramatic, but what I'm going to start doing is on a weekend, actually hide or physically give to my husband my phone and only have the card phone. So emergencies and, and whatnot. Yeah. And I think that like literally, and if I want to call someone, that's fine and they can call me or if I go on holiday, mm -hmm. but otherwise I do gravitate back to it. So I think I have to set physical boundaries for myself. I think it's working out what works for you, isn't it? A friend of mine has got that thing that you've just described and she's very disciplined about using that at the weekends. I mean, one thing I've started doing in the evenings is once it gets to a certain point, I try, I try and I don't do it all the time, but I try and do it as much as possible and knock my phone onto airplane mode. Yeah. And, um, and I just have to do that and just to switch off a bit. But which, so would you say that you now have time to, to do social, social stuff? Clearly not right now because we're in the middle of the coronavirus at the time of recording this. But in terms of, you know, work-life balance, not just being work and your family, having that social aspect or health stuff or holidays, do you feel that you've got more of that now? Um, yes, definitely, because I've trained myself into it. And what I've actually realized, I think post that crazy business journey, I'm a lot more clear on what my triggers are or what actually kind of detoxes me. So what kind of brings me up in business and pace and what brings me back down. And um, I implemented some of the techniques um, on a recent holiday 
everything. It's the first holiday I've been on that I've actually switched off completely. Um, and some of these techniques are things like, well, I did want to do meditation, but I just couldn't quite get into the whole thing. It, it felt very like sitting on your own. But what I learned was to sit with myself, which sounds strange, but I was watching this um, guy on YouTube. He's called Eckhart Tolle. I think that's the right way to pronounce it. And um, He's like a kind of, they say spiritual leader, that sounds very airy-fairy, but he just talks about like techniques in terms of brain techniques and stuff. And, and he said that most people can't, are uncomfortable sitting with themselves without the phone or the TV on or reading or something. And I realized, yes, I never sit and just am able to like look out the window. So what I started doing was actually practicing it on holiday and I sat on the beach and I looked at the sea and I tried to just sit with myself without thinking about work or anything and it I think it had the same effect as meditation so what it does is it just stops your brain from running between all these different themes and I found that that was so empowering in terms of just coming down to a normal pace and um actually then being able to think a lot more clearly and creatively afterwards you've had that break and i think watching something like the water or whatever that does kind of draw you back into the moment which is you know the principles of meditation anyway it's interesting before coronavirus hit i went because i i set myself goals every year and this year one of mine was around my health and well-being because that slipped so much in previous years it's always been work and family work and family and and they've sort of slipped between the two um always and, and it's been my health and well-being that's taken a hit i think so i wanted to prioritize that so one of the things i did was go on a, um a retreat to thailand um oh, with one of my business pals who also is just 24 7 working and we went there and you weren't allowed to use your phone um, I mean, we were a bit sneaky. We, we did break some rules and we were sort of using them in our rooms and stuff, but in public places or on the beach, you weren't allowed to use your phone. And it was a full week of like really healthy eating. The food was tremendous. And they had a spa there and they, the package we signed up for, we had 20 spa treatments in a week. Can you believe that? That's all we did, spa, spa beach. We'd be sat on the beach and I'd be like, oh, Natalie, we've got to go. We've got another spa treatment. Oh, it's such a hard life. But it was amazing. But it was really good to just have that moment and doing, you know, just looking at the water or looking at the, the you know, the nature there was fantastic. It was beautiful. And it just gets you kind of just thinking of what's going on in the moment rather than all these other things that are going on in your brain. and. Totally. I think you're just like so focused. You lose. I felt like I lost all sight of even like nature, like you say, or like I never looked up. I never looked out. Yeah. Because I was just constantly working on what I was working on. And that's so important to appreciate other things in life. But I think quite often it is quite hard when you run your own thing or you're being really ambitious. Um, and the guilt as well. I don't know if, if you felt it with the self-care. The tremendous guilt that I used to feel for years getting my hair done. Mm -hmm. The fact that, say, people... So, you know, say if I had, like, a, a dentist appointment during work time, the fact that people were in the office working and I was at the dentist, I couldn't process it. I just felt so bad, like, so guilty. 
Yeah, I know what you mean. But then what they're not seeing is the fact that you're probably up three hours before you've even got yeah. to the office on yeah. the phone, on the emails, or in the evenings, catching up on things or at the weekends and all of that. And uh, yeah, I think that it's hard, isn't it? Um, Especially then when you have a child to add into the dynamic. I think this guilt theme is so strong it runs through everything you're either feeling guilty because you're not giving the business enough or you're not giving the child enough or you haven't had any alone time with your partner you know you haven't been out anywhere with them or um and then you don't tend to feel guilty for neglecting yourself but that all comes with it and i think that can impact on your mood and stuff so i think just learning to allow yourself that yeah you know allow yourself go easy on yourself that's something that i um stop putting too much pressure on yourself you know what i mean i think that's really good advice and i think it's only when you've been in business for a few years and you've been through that that you can then look back and say i wish i'd done a bit more of that but yeah hindsight's always a great thing isn't it so Moving on and thinking about the people that you surround yourself with. So I read something a while back that said you're the sum of the seven people that you surround yourself most with. Have you um, got a bit of a tribe going on of people that you turn to for support with, with business and with life, you know, people that lift you up? Um, I think mainly those people, my partner is really um, significant in that and I think he's very honest about kind of what my core strengths are and I'm always very honest about my weaknesses as well but his function and in going into business as well with these new ventures is that he says that he wants to protect me and my creative bubble mm-hmm. and he'll take the noise away which is just fantastic because the noise is what raises my stress levels or takes me off task mm-hmm. so you know, between finance and HR and the operational side of things. He recognizes what my core strengths are. And I think that's great to have someone who will go and deliver stuff. So, you know, I'll say, oh, let's do this. I've already scoped it out. I think there's a great market. And he'll go, great, I'll go and do it. You know, he'll get sort getting the stock in, you know, getting it shipped out, hiring the people, you know, all the one-to-ones, the appraisals, the premises, all that stuff. So I feel really, really fortunate that I have that support. It's it's interesting you mentioning um, uh, Andrew. So obviously I've met Andrew a few times Mm -hmm. and... um, you, you do mention him a lot, which I think shows this, the, you know, what a great relationship you two have got. And I know that you're working on some business projects together now, which is, which is fantastic. So just focusing on that, how instrumental would you say he has been to your business success? Um, massively. I, I just don't know where it would have gone if I hadn't met him. I met him about three months into the journey and he's always been there to listen and kind of offer advice and build me back up and so yeah I I literally just don't know how far it would have got without him I think I would have gone into meltdown at some point because there's been a lot of like challenges across the way yeah that's really interesting and I think um 
know, I mentioned to you earlier that I read Cheryl Sandberg's book years ago, Lean In, and she talks about the most important decision in your career is choosing your life partner. And I, and I read that and I thought, ooh, that's really interesting. And in my experience, you know, I've had partners that haven't been supportive of work and have not understood when I've had to take late night calls or when I've had to work on my business at the weekend or, or early mornings and they just don't get it. And I've often felt envious of other people that have that because I can see what that brings to the table. And, and I remember meeting a friend for coffee once and her telling me that she'd had a business problem and she'd come home and her and her husband had got out a bottle of wine and a flip chart and started working through this program. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. I was so excited about this. Um, so I can see, I can see both sides. I mean, I'm lucky now that, um, my current partner, although he lives in Bangkok, which isn't helpful at all at the moment, but he's very supportive. And, you know, before I went to do my TEDx talk recently, he sent me this amazing message. Like you've got this, you're going to be amazing. Don't be nervous. You're going to be fantastic. And having someone that is your sort of cheerleader, if you like, um, that you can talk to on the same level that understands what you're going through and wants to build you up, I, th I think is phenomenal. So if you, um, so if someone was watching this and wanted a bit of advice about what they should look for in a partner that would give them that, have you got any tips? I think the main thing would be make sure that they're a radiator and not a drain. So they say that there's two types of people. And if you go for a more negative person that you're having to lift up all the time, it's not going to work. Because especially if you go in along your business journey and you're trying to drive your business and then you've got this work to do around, you know, developing someone else and, and they're always kind of being negative and, and stuff. I just think that would be the worst situation. Um, I think you need someone who's also ambitious and optimistic. Mm. Um, just these people, I think red flags would be like people who say, um, you can't do that or, oh, but that would be really complicated or that would take loads of work or people have tried it and failed or, you know, just stuff like that. Or do you really think that you're cut out for this? You know, that kind of well, stuff. I've never had that, but I've had like, you know, why do you want to work when you don't have to? Like, why, why do you want to work during, the, you know, outside of work hours? And what's the point and things like that. And, and I, actually, I have had, I have had before, you know, do you, you, you know, you reckon your business is going to get to this point? Really? Um, yeah, it did. So, <laughs> so there, but uh, it's really interesting. I think that makes such a big difference. And I think obviously, you know, you, you spend probably most of your time with Andrew. So to have that, you, you have to have that back to your sort of radiator and drain analogy. Yeah, I mean, we have spent, we were just saying the other day, we don't know if there's many couples that have actually physically spent so much time together. Like we, because we've worked together constantly, and then we had a bit of time off together when we had our daughter and stuff. We luckily we get on because I think if it wasn't a hundred percent secure, then we wouldn't have been able to do it all. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think it, it is so important. So important. Mm, that's interesting. So um, moving on, have you ever suffered from imposter syndrome? Um, probably every day, if not every few days. But even now, um, so you still still have it. Yeah, totally. So I find with me, it doesn't come like it's not constant, 
because otherwise I wouldn't do anything. But what happens is I, I saw this illustration of the creative process. I don't know if you've seen it, but it like says, it's a great idea. Um, <laughs> let's map it out. And then it says, actually, no. And then it's like, don't even bother. And I think that that's kind of the thing that I go on. You know, I'm like, right, we can do this. We can do that. Da, 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 da. And then it'll be like, why are you trying to do that? You know, like um, people are going to laugh at you. Oh, it's just stuff like that. And I think that's quite normal. Mm. You know, as, as humans, we have inbuilt in us the fear of what's going to happen next. And that's because as cavemen or women, cave people, um, we we were meant to fear that a tiger was going to come and eat us because that's how we evolved. We protected ourselves. We have evolved from the most cautious people, the most cautious cave women we've evolved from. So trying to then get that out of you, it's quite hard. There's always going to be an element, even if you're quite an optimistic person, mm -hmm. it's always going to be that before you get on stage, like, oh, everyone's going to laugh at me. What if this doesn't go down well? What if I just sound like I'm bragging? Like, I, I get that that little lingering thing. I don't know about you, but about telling my business story. I quite often come off calls like this and just go, oh, God, did you sound like a... Isn't you know it, what I mean? It's so frustrating, and I, 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 I totally get it. I totally get it. And I think probably one of the things where I felt like that the most was going back to do my TEDx talk and just because I was asked to share my story and where my, my, where my grit came from. And, oh, I felt so uncomfortable doing it. And I agonized over doing that talk for months, like nothing ever before. It was ridiculous when I looked back on it. And then when it was released, I almost didn't want to share it because I thought, oh, people are going to think, who does she think she is and stuff. And then I think, well, you've just got to make yourself do it. And actually the feedback that I've had from that, and you'll have had the same when you've done talks or, or um, you know, spoke about various things is, People want to hear that. And if you think back to when you were starting out and where you got inspired or, you know, where you got your energy from, you need to hear other stories. Um, and I think that's so important, but it's interesting to hear other women say that that imposter syndrome never goes away. And I suppose it can probably be helped by things like a supportive partner or a good group of friends. Um, but I think, you know, is it an element of that you've got high standards for yourself? So therefore, you know, that's what you're always trying to achieve. Yeah, I suppose you're kind of marking your own work all of the time. And if you're on this crazy productive high, you're never going to be able to sustain that forever. You have to expect for your energy to deplete and your mood to drop a little bit. And I think that the way to work through that is just to say, you know what this is, you know, really understand it in yourself. This happens with you. You will doubt yourself sometimes, but tomorrow or the next day, you're going to feel motivated again. So do what you need to do today. And sometimes that is literally doing no work. Sometimes it is lying on the sofa all day, eating what you want. Sometimes you need to just feel a bit sorry for yourself for a day, get it out of your system and then crack back on. Oh my God, and I so do that. <laughs> <laughs> embrace it haven't you rather than dragging yourself in to do so i mean it's hard when you've got commitments mm. but i think something about listening to yourself and saying you're not in the right place today so it's probably better to reschedule that thing yeah. or whatever and just go with your intuition because you need to have slower pace days 
You're so right, but it's, it's making sure that that slower pace or that slumped on the sofa bit doesn't last for very long because yeah. I think it's easy to get sucked into that. And I've never been sucked in, in that way, but I've seen other people who've just sort of said, oh, I need some time to myself. I'm going to take a week off and then it, which is fine. You take time off, but it then drags on. And I think it's better to just wallow for a day or something and pick yourself back up and, and get on. I think even arranging something so that you you break back out of it because I have been there. I've been there where it's been a month of me because what I find is, especially sometimes when you succumb to it, you continue to overanalyze. And then that thing that was only a little thing you have in your head is actually a big thing. And sometimes, you know, if you if you've come out of work, it's just getting back into work. It's kind of or booking a hair appointment or you know something that's just like right I'm gonna or even like getting a new outfit and like I don't want to sound like um it's all about beauty and fashion and stuff but what works get, for you isn't it it's it's what getting a bit of a power outfit yeah and just being like right no I've got a nice new outfit for work and I'm feeling empowered again and I'm just gonna go in back in there and I know that like five minutes like into it I'm gonna be fine again because I get creative again but I totally agree I think you need to be like right or even like explaining to people close to you as well like saying look I understand how my moods run so like with my sister I'll say um I'm just having a bit of a down day I'm gonna snap out of it but just talk to me about what you've been doing because I need to get my head out of things yeah just being honest about it so that people understand and then saying um, to those people, you know what I figured out really gets me back out of it if I'm feeling a bit stressed or a bit low, booking a spa day with you. So when I'm in that headspace, I do that. instigate that, you know what I mean? And helping people around you to understand how to work with you so it doesn't drag or you're not imposing your down day on them. I think it's a really important point to to make around the fact that that's not a weakness and actually being honest and open about how you're feeling and how you react to things and how you then pull yourself out is actually, I actually see that as a strength. So, yeah, just this awareness of yourself, what, what gets you into a certain mode, what helps you step back, just really listening to the, these moods and, and things and nobody can be... 100% all of the time and I think what you have to remember is the stuff nobody well very rarely do people put stuff out when they're not feeling 100% so what you're seeing is this people on their A game you never see that other side of things so with social media and stuff you've got to be mindful of that that it's and it's good to have this time it clarifies things. It makes you look at things in different ways. It's only human to have down days sometimes. Yeah, very wise, very wise. So we've we've touched on this a little bit in some of the conversation, but without getting into the detail. But I've I've spoken to you about um, before about having role models and being inspired by by people. Who have been your role models? Um. I think that I've taken a lot from people around me. So like my mum, 
has been fantastic on the organizational side of things and the finance and stuff. My husband has his amazing strengths in operations and stuff like that. And my sister has this strength in knowing what she's comfortable with. So she actually, she has a small business, but she knows she doesn't want to grow it. Mm-hmm. And I really admire that, her knowing what she wants and sticking to it. And I think there's almost beauty sometimes in people. I talk to people who say, I don't really want to hire staff. I want to keep it as me. And I think that there's actually a lot of courage and a lot to be said for that, just being certain on what you want to do. Um, so I, I'm quite inspired by people just of all walks of life. People I talk to at business events, I pick up a lot of energy from people, people that I've worked with. Um, yeah, and obviously there's these big figures, which are great, but they're not massively accessible. So I don't know how much I've been inspired by that. There's influencers on social media. I really like Gary Vee. Um, you know, I was saying to you earlier that um, if I'm feeling sorry for myself or stressed or anything, all it takes is me watching a little Gary Vee video and it's like snap out of it. There's a video by him and it's like, these are the odds of you actually being alive. I have all that, yeah. So it's like blows your mind. You're like, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, it's so true. He's like, this is the odds of you being born. Um, and so stop whinging about that time that you put your knee out in high school or the fact that your dad isn't very receptive to your ideas or this or that or that ex-partner that you had that made you really um, possessive or like blame, this whole blame thing. It's just like, you're responsible for yourself. Crack on and do it. And I just, I love his content because I mean, it's very direct at times, but it just makes me snap out of it. And that's what I like. I like short clips. Mm-hmm. I don't tend to like sit and watch a, a long thing. I like podcasts. Um, I like YouTube videos. Anything I can do while I'm doing something else. Mm-hmm. So if I'm driving to work in the morning, I will, I've got a half hour potential journey there where I can learn something new and the same when I come back from work. So learning something new every day. Um, in terms of podcasts, I really like the Boss Babe podcast, um, which is run by um, Natalie Ellis and her business partner. I can't remember her name, but um, they're really good. Um, and they talk about the highs and lows and the self-care. Um, so I really admire them. Loads of topics. And um, I like um, Tom Billio, I think he's called. Yeah. Um, he talks about loads of stuff, you know, innovative things, or even if you learn about new developments in genetics or something, it might just inform you in some way. Um, and I like certain things like this one called The Blog Millionaire, and he talks about blogging strategies. I like Neil Patel for his YouTube digital content. So, a uh, a raft of influencers, I would say, that are producing content. It's not so much looking at those people, oh, they've achieved that, um, and they're there, they're the full article. Mm-hmm. I like hearing about the journey along the way. Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It doesn't even have to be something related to what you do. It can be anything that just sort of sparks that off. And I really like the way that you use your time productively. So listening to something on the way into work, I'm a big fan of doing that as well. I, 
I'm, I, I think that I'm hyperproductive, like I'm always doing something and multitasking and all these sorts of things. And I think, I think that's really great. That's really good. So, um, t two things I think that I just want to pick up on. So you uh, have clearly been influenced and influenced social media loads. What would you say is your platform of choice for work right now? Maybe it's changed. I don't know. Um, so for B2C, um, it's Instagram and TikTok. Mm. TikTok pre presents massive opportunities right now because it's quite young in the social media market. So it's not massively monetized yet. Although there are some ads on there, you can get massive organic reach, which is what we used to do at the start of Facebook pages, which is what provided a lot of our organic growth. So when I'm advising people on social, I always say jump on the latest platform, the latest feature. Um, Instagram, very much a platform that you can build a brand on and convert on, but it's tough now. It takes a lot of admin. It takes a lot of work, a lot of content production. Um, Instagram stories are great because they're a bit, little bit more laid back than feed, but I know a lot of people get intimidated by the feed element and it looking. Really I don't understand Instagram at all. Like I was advised to have a presence on every platform, which I've done, but I just don't get it. Like for me, LinkedIn and Twitter as well, yeah. they're, they're big for me. But. Well, for B2B, for personal profile building in, um, in business, um, LinkedIn is brilliant and again there aren't that many restrictions on the algorithm the great thing about LinkedIn is not many people produce content there's a lot of people checking and lurking but if you produce content you're very likely to be featured in the feed although it does still work with algorithms um, but just investing a bit of time on that it's it can have massive rewards how do you and, keep your knowledge of all of these platforms up to date because you talk very confidently about each of them so how, where do you find that information out um by being on them all the time um and i do think it's important by the way you said it's good to have a presence on all platforms but i would almost disagree a little bit as in you can do everything and do it okay yeah. or you can really boss one platform so yeah by being on them you're seeing all the latest features watch people watch what's coming out what content seems to be getting a lot of engagement if you see influencers doing the same thing over and over you know that it's working for them um being on there but also then there's you can follow key people like on linkedin there's people who just talk about new linkedin features how to maximize your profile um there's some free training you can access which usually leads to them trying to sell you something but i think it's worth watching <laughs> yeah um and um different sites, tech sites, and um, things like Wired. Um, I, I recommend people kind of setting their homepage to a site, a news site or a tech site that is um, relevant to their industry. So if you wanna blog about social media, then set your homepage to a social media news site which just talks about the new features so there's a lot of people on my linkedin who own digital agencies and they share content all the time and the effect that that has is people think they really know what they're talking about when it comes to linkedin they're on the latest developments therefore if i pay for their services 
they're going to do the best job while I'm focusing on my business. Mm. So LinkedIn, amazing for business. Instagram and TikTok, great for B2C. Facebook is, it's still doable. Mm. It's harder to break through. Okay, that's useful. That's interesting. Okay, so finally, just to finish off then, Alice, what one piece of advice have you been given that served you well that you would like to pass on? So I read in a book once um, that if you build your personal brand, you'll then be able to um, sell whatever other ventures you go into through that. So if you're working on your personal brand, it's a brand for life. But if you just invest in your time into a single brand, a single company that you're working on, say you were to exit that business, you were tr to transact on it, you can't market through those channels anymore. So I think that is so interesting because I've had a lot of questions around social media and building your own brand and why to do it recently. And I just think if you work on building your own brand, you can then do so much with it. Yeah. So I thought that might be a good, useful thing for people who are in business at the minute and wondering, is it worth investing in all this LinkedIn activity and promoting myself? Mm. That's really good advice. And I've read a couple of books that say similar. And I think, um, you know, now that you're in the position of exiting one business and setting up new ventures, that hopefully that will serve you well and they'll all be equally successful, which is brilliant. Thank you very much. Great. Well, it's been fabulous speaking to you. So thank you so much. And I'll include some links to where people can find you and things underneath this interview. So thank you. Thank you very much. I hope that you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Ambition Accelerator as much as I enjoyed recording it. If this was your first experience of tuning in, go back and listen to previous episodes as there are some brilliant ones. Please do go and check those out. Hope to catch you next time.